You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Good morning, River City Church. Uh, am I loud? I'm normally loud. Um, we, I wanted to share something that happened uh, or that I got kind of experienced a couple weeks ago. My oldest is going into the, no, he's in the fifth grade, right? Fifth grade. First, <laughs> what? For, and so this was our first experience with the science fair, all right? And I know what you're thinking. You're jealous, right? Like, that's awesome. You get to do science at home, right? I mean, I was excited about it. Now, just hear me. There were tears shed in the Rossi household. This was not the fun experience that I expected it to be. But uh, I did have the opportunity, right? He decided that he was going to do it on magnetism. And he, now how he decided on this was he, he Googled science fair projects, and that was the first one. But regardless, we are going to learn about magnetism in the Rossi household. Like I am excited and fired up about this great opportunity. And so we uh, spent time just reading and watching videos and learning about magnetism. And I decided I was going to share some of that with you. Um, Jason Sweet told me he doesn't even know what magnetism is. So, so now here's the opportunity this morning for us to hear about magnetism. So just so, for those of you who don't know, magnetism is one of the four fundamental forces of the universe. In other words, there are four fundamental forces in the universe. What that means is that we don't really understand it. We just observe it. We can see the effects of it. We know that it's always there. But, you know, in terms of uh, understanding the causes of it and things like that, it's very difficult for us. But it's one of only four of these fundamental forces. And the way that it works is electrons are... Have I lost people? I promise there's a tie-in. What happens is atoms align themselves, right? And they have a charge, the electrons, and they align themselves. And when they do that, they're magnetized. When they do that, they release this fundamental force of the universe called magnetism. And so Tommy started off with a paperclip, just a regular old paperclip, no magic to it, nothing. But you rub it on a, on a magnet and it aligns all those little domains, all that they're called domains. They're, they're bands of atoms that come together and they all form in a certain direction. And they all were pointing, when they're on their own, they cancel each other out and they have no effort. Th- th- all those things were in the paperclip. But until it was charged, until it was magnetized by another magnet, it didn't have any of that power. And so as I was, you know, doing all this with Tommy, I just kept thinking like, that's the church. This is about magnetism. It's about the church. It's about being aligned, that we can all be pointed in different directions. But if we want to re- release the power, this fundamental force, then it, it, it comes with being aligned together. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. This scripture where I believe Jesus may not be talking about magnetism, but definitely it's related, okay? We've been going through John. And uh, so I'm taking liberty with what chapter we may be taking from John. But I'm going to take John 17, starting in verse 20. And this is what it says. Jesus is praying. He's with his disciples. This is getting towards the end of his ministry. And he's praying with his disciples. And this is what he says. I do not ask for these only, these, my disciples, my brothers, these that are here, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's praying for people that will believe 
As a result of his disciples going out and making more disciples, he's praying for those other people that will come to believe because of the word that's going to spread through his disciples. That's us, right? He's praying for us. He's praying for the believers that will believe after this, that will believe as a result of their work. For those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one that they may all be one. And there's all different variations of this if you read in different uh, translations to try and capture this oneness, this oneness of heart, this oneness of mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. The oneness that we enjoy in the Trinity, that they may enjoy that oneness. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Complete unity, perfected into one. These are all different ways that that's translated. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even though, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me, and I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you would make yourself known this morning, God, that Jesus' prayer would be answered in us, that we would be one, that you would move in a way that aligns us with the things that you're doing in the world, that we would be a powerful force together. Come now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Tommy and I have been going through John together as we've been doing it as a church. And uh, when we were reading this, Tommy's like, he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. And there's this element, right? That Jesus, I mean, it sounds a little redundant, you know. But think of the implications. Jesus praying. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, part of the Trinity, part of God manifest on earth is praying to the father and he's saying it's my desire god i want this to come to fruition i want there to be unity i want the world to know as a result of the unity that you will pour out that they could enjoy what we've enjoyed and that it would change the world jesus prays for it so think about the implications of that first of all it's important to jesus because he prays for it but it's also something that jesus thought you know what Let's get the whole, uh, let's go get the whole Trinity fired up on this, right? This isn't something that's just going to happen naturally. Let me pray that God would move because it requires the spirit of God for the kind of unity that Jesus is praying for. You know what that tells me? It can't be that easy what Jesus is praying for. That kind of unity cannot come naturally if Jesus is praying for it. And some of us are like, wow, community. Community, how hard is that? Common unity. That's all community is, right? Is that we would be unified, that we'd be unified around Jesus and what, we've, what he's made known to us. And we think, well, is it, is it really that hard? 
Well, it's easy to be around people we like, right? It's easy to surround ourselves with people who like the things that we like. It's easy to surround ourselves with people that we're comfortable with. It's easy to surround us, ourselves with people who agree with us. It's easy for us to be around people that don't challenge us, provoke us, stir us up, right? That's easy. But that's not what Jesus is praying for, is it? Because he wouldn't have to pray for that. But he prays for a unity that must be different than what, just that simple unity that I'm talking about, of surrounding ourselves with people that agree with us. What unifies us as a church? Not the church, River City Church. As a local church, what unifies us? What is it that aligns us together, that we come together in alignment? What is it that aligns us? Is it, is it the style of worship? Is it, you know, that we worship in the center, <laughs> which is different? <laughs> is, it, is it the way that we dress? Is it the, the normalness that we, that we strive for? Normalness. Our RCC is not normally considered normal, but normal in that we, we try to be the same person on Sunday that we are on Monday. That's a value that we, that we hold to, is that we, we shouldn't have to change on Sunday. Is that what unifies us? Our lack of formality? Is that what unifies us? These are all great things. And they're probably things that if you've chosen to make River City Church your church, is probably one of those things that attracted you, brought you in. It's something that you enjoy. But that's not the unity that Jesus is praying for. The unity that Jesus is calling us into, that he is praying for, that he is reaching out to the Father, the desire of his heart is a deeper unity. Just some of the encouragements from Scripture. What does this unity look like? Love one another. Depend on one another. Honor one another. Rejoice and weep with one another. Admonish one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. These are all one another verses. These are all verses that, that are pictures of the encouragement from the New, text, the New Testament of what this unity looks like. Because Jesus prays for it. And through the rest of the New Testament, all the writers are encouraging that unity. They're encouraging that we would be in a community like what Jesus is praying for. That's the kind of unity. Bearing one another's burdens, forgiving one another, encouraging one another. That's the kind of unity that we're called to. That's the kind of unity that requires the Spirit of God to make it happen. That's the kind of unity that the Son of God would need to pray to see it manifest in us. So why is it hard? Why does he need to pray this? Why is it so difficult for us? Because people are crazy. Not me. All of you. And you think the same thing. <laughs> right? People are hard. People are broken. People got issues. And that's the problem. <laughs> that's why it's so hard. People are broken. Giving up on church because it's full of broken people? That's like not going to the gym because it's filled with fat people. <laughs> Obese people. I don't want to offend anyone. Going for unity here. <laughs> you know, we say in our church... Uh, then there's a lot of people that come to our church and we say that they've been wounded by the church. And a lot of what we do is try to restore, you know, people that have experienced that. But you know what the reality is? I mean, Grant, there's some truth to it. But really, you're wounded by broken people, right? 
It's broken people that have wounded you. It's broken people that are attempting to live out their faith that end up wounding us. But they're broken, just like we're broken. The church is made up of broken people. That's why Jesus needs to pray for it. That's why the Spirit of God needs to show up because we are so broken and we all have issues. And we hurt other people and we have been hurt. I may have already hurt people so far, okay? I, I have heard my share from people that adore soccer from my comments about soccer, right? The Brits still don't think I'm cool. Michael, Morale, forgive me, right? I, I didn't even, look, 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 I didn't even want to show you the shirt, see? See? I, I don't want to offend anyone, all right? I don't want to, that's why I'm not even showing you the shirt right now. I'm covering it up. Am I a gator? Absolutely. <laughs> community. Community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. <laughs> Henry Nowen said that. Guy who loves community. I, I love that. That's the way he said it. It's the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Church should be a place where you can hurt out loud. I have no idea where I stole that but I'm positive I stole it from somewhere. Church should be a place where you can hurt out loud. In other words, of all the places that you should be able to hurt and be honest with other people and vulnerable about the hurts that you've experienced, the hurts that you, that you are in the middle of, church should be that place. Well, that's gonna get messy. Church better be a messy place. If we are hurt, broken people coming together trying to find Jesus, trying to find what it looks like to live after him, Church is going to be messy. So many scriptures, so many scriptures, like literally, I'm, I'm like keep cutting the list, cutting the list of what, what I can share this morning because just about every letter, if not every letter, you can find in there some encouragement from the writer to be one. Some encouragement from the writer to recognize that you are part of a bigger body, that you should be unified, that you should stick it out. Okay, so I'm just going to pick two. That's it, two. First one, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. So this is Paul, and he's writing to the church in Colossae. He's writing to a church, a, a particular local church, right? And it's not like it is today. There weren't 2,000 churches in the town for people to choose from. There was a church, there was a, a group of believers in this town, and he says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, people that God has chosen, called out of the world, that he has sought you out with the, with the good news of what he's accomplished, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one, one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. It was interesting. In pre-service prayer and then in worship, you know, God was doing this thing with us this morning of just reminding us of all the things, all the ways that he's shown up in our lives, all the things that we should be thankful for. And there is some element of that thankfulness, recognizing the grace that has been extended to us, being thankful for that, and then extending that grace to others. Paul, in this encouragement here, 
is saying, bear with one another, endure with one another. In another place, he actually says the spirit of endurance. (laughs) Like that's one of the fruits of the spirit that he would give us endurance for putting up with one another. Endure, make every effort, make every effort to remain one. Perfect people don't require forgiveness. Perfect people don't require endurance. Perfect people wouldn't require Paul to say, endure with one another. Man, it's so hard. I'm sorry, but please, for the sake of the peace of Christ, for the sake of what God has done for you, for the things that you are thankful for, for the sake of those things, please be unified. Be in alignment with one another. Don't, don't let yourself be divided. Be unified. The writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another, to spur one another on, to provoke one another. Literally, the word means to provoke one another, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer of Hebrews says to stir one another up. So he's basically saying, you guys, when you get together, there should be some provoking that happens. I'm not provoked when I'm surrounded by people that agree with me. I'm not provoked when I'm around people that I'm comfortable with. But he's saying when you get together, consider how you can provoke one another for the purpose of love and good works. And he goes on to say, don't give up. Why does he say that? There must be some temptation to give up. There must be some some temptation of us to say, you know what? I'm done with that whole church thing. I'm done with dealing with these people that are screwed up. I'm done with dealing with these people that have hurt me. There's some element of that, right? Now, I want you to think about the context of this. When, When these letters are written, there's one church in the city. We're in a church, we're in a city, what, 1,500, 2,000? God only knows how many churches there are in Jacksonville. How much easier is it for us to just give up and go to the next one? To just give up and go to the next one? Just give up and go to the next one, right? How much easier is it for us? When, when we read this, these guys, they got nowhere else to go. When they give up, where are they gonna go? So it's much harder for them to give up. What's my point? It's hard, it's tempting, for us to give up and to not be provoked. So why? Why is this important? Why are we talking about it? You know, uh, it was great. We just had the life course, and you get to see the front lines, man. You get to see people asking questions that have never experienced Jesus before, people that have never experienced the Spirit of God move in their life before. You get to see people coming into the fold, and it's so encouraging and exciting. Why are we talking about this? Because this is what fires us up. This is the mission of Jesus. Why does Jesus pray for unity? Why do the New Testament writers encourage unity? Because they want this force in the universe to be released. They want the mission of Jesus to continue. Jesus says, right, that the world will see the unity in them. The world will see the truth that that has been made known to them. They, They will see it released in people that will believe as a result of that. They will continue to propagate this mission that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That Jesus came with a, with a mission 
to let us know that he was going to accomplish for us something that we couldn't accomplish for ourselves, that he was going to set us free and release us from all of the things that we've earned upon ourselves, and he was going to give us his righteousness so that now our relationship with God would no longer depend on anything that we've ever done or will ever do, but instead our relationship with God is based on him. That is the truth that we have received and that now we live it out. Why is it important for us to be unified? Because that mission is too important for us to not be unified in it. It's too important for us to cancel one another out. It's too important for us to not be behind. It's important because it's the mission of Jesus. And that the world, the world, think about this, the world would not be attracted to a church of perfect people, right? But the, the, the church, if it was filled with perfect people, nobody would want to go, right? The last thing I want to do is be around a bunch of people that are perfect. I'm not perfect. Forget that. But the world is attracted when they see people that are different, somehow working it out together, somehow sticking it out and being a part of something much bigger than themselves. The world is attracted to that. The local church is the place where that mission, where that rubber hits the road. The local, the local church is where that happens in some community of believers where we get together as one domain aligned with the mission of Jesus and going out and seeking to accomplish it, going out and seeking and saving the lost. Bill Hybels says this, the local church is the hope of the world. Whoa. I read that. I was like, that's a strong statement. And from a pastor. So, right, I'm thinking, I don't know. Maybe he's just saying that because he's the pastor of a church. He says it this way. He says, the hope of the world is not government, academia, business, but the church. Because it is to the church that God has entrusted the message of the gospel, which truly changes people's lives and hearts. Jesus is the hope of the world. That's all I could think when I read that. The local church isn't that Jesus is the hope of the world. But the church is the body of Christ. And the local church is the place where the rubber hits the road. That's where we take traction. That's where we begin to see people's lives change, like we see in the life course, like we see in the ministries. The local church is the hope, the hope that we have. We see, when we, when we hear the testimonies of people's lives being changed, it inspires us, it gives us hope. Jesus tells us, he tells Peter, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not have victory. The gates of hell will not prove more powerful. They will not be victorious. They will not overcome. I, Jesus, will build my church. Jesus is building his church. We are part of that. That's where we see it in the rest of the New Testament of this encouragement to be a part of the church that Jesus is building. Why is it important? Well, it's the mission of Jesus. It's the local, the local church that's the hope of the world. It's the manifestation of the hope of the world. The local church is where our gifts are discovered and used. We talk a lot about spiritual gifts. We talk a lot about the gifts in our church because we believe that they're alive and we believe that everyone should be seeking them out and everybody should believe that God can use you in a powerful way. But do you know in the context of the Bible what gifts are? Gifts are given to people for the building up of the church. God gives gifts with the purpose of building up his church. Why? Because his church is where it happens. She's the one that goes into the world 
right? She's the one that represents Jesus going out and loving and changing the world. This is where God gives us our gifts and where we get to exercise our gifts. Gifts are given to us to build up that church. Everyone gets to play. One of the values at River City Church is we, we talk about everyone gets to play. And Antley said something uh, on the last day of the life course when we were just talking. You know, there's a lot of people that, have, that are new to River City Church and you've never heard a lot of this stuff. And so he was talking and he said, everyone gets to play. And then he says, you know what? No, everyone has to play. It's not, we used to say everyone gets to play. In other words, you know, I'm a volunteer. I just have the opportunity to be able to speak and to be able to teach. And he says, it's not that everybody gets the opportunity to play, to be a part of what God's doing. Everyone has to. If we're going to be the church that, that we're called to be, we have to step in, find out what those gifts are that God's given us, find out what those good works are that God's prepared for us, and do them. That happens in our church. I'm not saying just River City Church. If you're here and you're a visitor, that's awesome. You're still trying to figure out which church you're going to commit to and engage with. That's great. This is true for every church, that every church is made up of its members. The members are the ones that bring that. You go, well, what about the staff? You know what we say about the staff at River City Church is the staff empowers the church to become the church. The, The staff empowers us to discover what those gifts are, to release those gifts, to do the things that are required for our church to to accomplish this mission that we've set out to do. David asked me to join a city group, right? And I was like, dude, city groups sound awesome. That's great, but I'm good, right? Like I've got got my friends, I'm I'm really good. And he's like, well, that's, that's good that you're okay, but you know, there's other people that don't have community that don't have other people and kind of challenged me which i didn't like he provoked me he spurred me um but he said this to me and as i thought about it i I started to realize like i do i have that my group my click my go-to group and i love them they're here so i'm not gonna say anything bad but but we grow comfortable with each other we might have been different. We might have provoked each other. We might have, when we first come together, but now we're comfortable. And so what, what David was doing was asking, do you want to be provoked? Do you want to participate in the mission of River City Church? Do you want to participate in what God is doing? What we believe that God has spoken to River City Church of what's next for us? And I was like, oh man. So it started off as a no, started and turned into, yeah. How can I say no to that? This morning, I don't know what it is for you. I'm not saying that everyone needs to join a city group. Maybe they do. I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what is it that God's calling you to do? Where is it that you're comfortable? The local church is where your gifts are discovered and they're used. But we have to engage in that. He has a role for all of us to play as he builds his church in the world. That's an, that's an important concept. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you have a role to play in the building of Christ's church? Do you believe that there are good works that are set for you and only you to accomplish and that he will call you and then he will empower you to do that? That's, that's a deep concept for us to believe, especially when we think, well, no, I'm too broken. I've got too many issues. No, you're just like the rest of us. <laughs> You're broken, 
but you can be used. And the church is better that you are here. There's some people that think, well, no, not me. He's not talking about me. No, the church is better because you are here. The church is not called to be uniform. It's, it's called to be in unity. But there's a difference. We're not all the same. If we were all the same, there wouldn't be any friction at all. And this isn't a guilt, guilt trip. Okay, let me just get this out. I don't want anybody to feel guilty. I, wanna, I, wa- I don't want anybody to feel like your only value to the church is what you bring to the church, right? That's not what I'm saying. There's plenty of people, man, you have been consumed. You have, you have thrown yourself into ministry. You have thrown yourself into other churches and you have given yourself and you need a break. Totally get it. That's totally fine. There are other people that that's not true. That's just not true. There's those of us that, that are like me, that we're comfortable and have, it's been a while since we've really engaged, that we've really been challenged. Is anybody provoked yet? <laughs> we'll get there. Um, <laughs> if not, all right, last thing. I just want to say this. There's a ton of people that are new. There's a ton of people, and, and I want you to hear this, that I am not, I'm not rah-rah River City Church. I am. I love River City Church. This is my church. But there are other great churches in Jacksonville. There's other great churches in the world. We all are unique. We all have distinctives that make us the church that we are. And I want to talk just a, just a minute about some of those distinctives. Because when I heard Antley talking in the life course and going through those distinctives with people, I, it was just there's so many people that weren't there. And I was like, everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to be reminded of what is it that we as a church believe? What is it that we are doing so that we can be aligned together? At River City Church, our mission, if you were to encapture our mission, it is to make and mature disciples of Jesus. It is to make and mature disciples of Jesus. And disciples of Jesus are transformed people, people whose lives have been transformed, who love God, live for his kingdom, and rely on his power. That's going forth and making disciples. And on that road, what it looks like, what we believe, what what our values are, intimacy with the father intimacy getting to a place of actually believing that not only does does god love us but he likes us that he he wants to be around us that he chose us he didn't put up with us that he sought us out intimacy with the father ministry of the holy spirit that we can't do it on our own that we rely on god's power and that god's power is alive today ministry to the poor we believe that something happens Something happens when we actually engage our hearts and minister to those that are poor, that have less than we do, that encourages us to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And ministry to the lost, evangelism. We believe that that's a value in our church, that we always want to hear from people that are new, that have, that have never experienced God before. We want to seek and save the lost. We want to hear their testimonies. We want to cater to, and, and we want those, those people that are lost to understand the gospel maybe in a way that they've never been able to understand before. We're not perfect. <laughs> River City's not perfect, just like nobody here is perfect. But I do know this. this. These are our distinctives. And I would ask, there's so many implications of this teaching. There's so, much, so many implications of the scriptures that talk about this unity and rather than go through all the implications, I think we, we're going to have to pray. And God will have to speak to you about what those implications are for you. What does it mean? What does it mean for me, this calling to be deeply unified with a body? What does it mean? Some encouragements that I would give. Commit. Even If it's not to River City Church, that's fine. But commit. Give yourself to a church 
Commit, call a church your home. Engage. Don't just go to church on Sunday. Don't just sit back and be an observer. Engage in your church. Press in. Submit. Provoke. Submit. Consider other people's interests above your own. Submit yourself to a church. This is stirring. Hopefully this is stirring you up. Hopefully this is provoking you towards loving good deeds. Hopefully I haven't wounded anyone, offended anyone too greatly, except with my gator shirt. But this type of unity can't happen without the Spirit of God. So let's stand right now. And let's pray.